1: Yeah, but, Bonnie, you wear it over your eyes like Batman. <laughs> In case Mozart invites
0: her to a ball. <laughs> just wants to be ready. You know. You guys. Oh, what? go. Go. No. no, you go. No, no go. absolutely, no, you, go. you go. No, no go. I have
2: nothing to say. Well, how weird, then, to preface it with, hey, you guys. I want to get Captain Crinkle on Wikipedia. Every time I get one of those notices that Captain Crinkle has been mentioned, I always look on there to see, oh, maybe Captain Crinkle's on Wikipedia. But no. So this is my plea to the nobodies to start hammering Wikipedia <laughs> to put <laughs> Captain Crinkle in there.
1: That's hilarious. Uh, maybe one of our nobodies is actually a wiki editor.
2: Ooh, as long as we're putting that out. If anybody can speed up the process of getting Paula verified on Instagram, like they're on the inside somewhere, we need that too.
0: I'm surprised you want to be on Wikipedia. I would think that you would want to be on Wiki Wacky Woo. That's <laughs> just so much more your
2: style. That was almost a spit take.
0: Yeah, into that basin of coffee that you're drinking. Mm-hmm.
1: That's not yeah. as big as the one the other day, but it's still it's an small. unholy amount it's of coffee.
2: It's still a tureen. I have this when it see somebody gave it to me. It says Captain Crinkle. When I go I'll through that, that, I've got this.
0: Well, if you have a thermos that says Captain Crinkle, really, then Wikipedia is just icing on the cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do this thing, shall we?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <Starbanks gotta> go. <laughs>
1: to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, how am I doing? I mean, compared to other podcast co-hosts, am I keeping up with what other podcast co-hosts are doing? Would you tell me if I wasn't? Author, psychology professor, and host of the podcast Two Guys on Your Head, Dr. Art Markman is here to help us stop comparing ourselves to others. I mean, unless you think other podcasts might have a better guest idea. I mean, who does Jimmy Pardo have this week? Plus, Bonnie Burns has suffered some slings and arrows on this show, and tonight, she's settling some scores. Join us for our new segment, Captain Crinkle's Revenge. I'm Adam Felber. This show's superego, creating a well-mannered user experience that conforms to accepted best practices in podcast management. And now, please welcome our rampaging id, who's here to help our podcast kick ass <laughs> and chew bubblegum, and she's all out of gum. It's Paula Poundstone!
0: <laughs> hey, guys! Hey. Tony, Bonnie, Adam, how are you? Good, good, good. Good? There you go. That's a, oh, a rousing, it's a really exciting... Uh, hey, before I say another word... <laughs> Before I say another word, I want to thank tonight's house band composer Raymond Horton from Edwardsville, Indiana. Thank you, Raymond. Yeah, Edwardsville. Edward was a guy that used to walk around town picking up trash, and uh, he was so community-minded, which I think is a great thing that they named the town after him. What's new, Paula Poundstone? You know, so little that uh, I, <laughs> I, I begin to feel that, you know, my life is more of a poster than a film strip at this point. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> and someday it's just, you know, there are times where uh, it's better than a poster, but it's still a film strip that hasn't been turned in quite a while. And uh,
3: <laughs>
0: sometimes I wake up in the morning and go, just hoping. That something will change? <laughs> that something will change. <laughs> but you're out there performing again, aren't you? I am. And i, I that's really great. I really enjoy that part, yeah. But, you know, everything else. its Sitting on the plane or sitting in a hotel room. I mean, it's better in some ways than sifting litter boxes, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's not an exciting life. I watch, okay, wait, the other night, and I, I almost never do this. I don't get cable at home, so it's still, I'm still a little bit like an ape with flame. Uh, the idea that you can push a button and it goes to many different channels. Like, what is there, 100 what? channels? Not a goddamn thing to watch. How is that possible? I ended up going all the way around <laughs> and then back, and then I stopped on a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. We watched one. Remember, we reviewed one. Did we? I don't remember. I remember him being tortured in a prison cell. He was very puffy in this movie. He wasn't tortured in a prison, but that I only saw the last third. By the way, if I'm in a prison and they want to torture me, show me that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's uh, let's bring everybody along because it's time to say hello to everybody and call to order our book club.
2: Oh boy! Woo. Oh By the way, boy! Oh boy, we got a book club. Bookie, bookie, book club. Oh boy, oh boy, we got a book
1: club. Wow. All right, everybody, let's take a break and have some caffeine. I'm opening a soda right here.
3: Paula, Paula yeah. cheer the
1: fuck up. Bonnie, drink, drink from that giant tureen of coffee. We really need some some energy here. So what the hell was so, that?
0: So sad. <laughs> well, you could tell that she was improvising, you yeah. know, and I think that's dangerous. Um, <laughs> and again, the thing about a theme song would be that it's familiar and it, You know, it sort of sets up the audience for what's coming next. Maybe you even get, like, a happy chemical release in your brain because you go, oh, this. Oh, I like this. But if Are you saying it should be replicable? Well, yes. I can think of a song on our show that is replicable, very much so. I can't do it. Well, but the vocabulary song needn't be replicable. It is not doing the same job as a theme song. Agreed. Um, Yeah. Let me see if... I'm just covering this song. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We've got a bee.
3: Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy.
0: It
1: made me so sad. It made me never want to read again.
3: so
0: sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can be done in a more multicultural way. Oy vey.
3: Oy vey. We've got a
1: Keep Club.
3: <laughs>
1: Way to bring down the room, Bonnie. All right, well, I'm going to try to bring us back up because we are talking about Dark Corners by Ruth Rendell, and this week we read chapters 21 through 25. All right, so what so what happened? Well, here's what happened. Lizzie escapes her kidnappers but can't tell anyone what happened because she's done bad things. is being driven mad by Dermot but can't tell anyone because he's done bad things. Carl murders Dermot, but can't tell anyone because murder is definitely a bad thing. And Tom still likes riding buses, which he can tell anybody about. I do want to point out that when that glass duck or whatever it was appeared last week. Yeah. Somebody mentioned that he thought that
0: uh, (laughs) Carl
1: was going to murder Dermot with it. And and Ruth Rendell wasted all of three pages before that shit happened.
0: One thing about Adam that people always say is that man can spot an impromptu murder weapon. (laughs) uh, Yes, I can. That's a great quality to have. So, Paula,
1: what's your reaction to these chapters? We still have quite a bit of book left, but the murder has already taken place.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I was just reading quotes from authors today, and honestly, I've forgotten who said what anymore. But somebody was saying, like, don't waste your time with description, and I know Bonnie Burns' ears are perking up right now, Um, never use any word other than said in dialogue, and never use an adverb with said, like, you know, he said angrily. It's not a big book, Dark Corners, you know? (laughs) Yes, I do know that. It's a slender volume. She's adhering to some of the rules, because there is really no... There's no
1: tinsel on that tree. Not really. There's no sauce on those meatballs. There isn't. There's no spin on that baseball. Yeah. There's no cheese on that macaroni. Yeah. There's no powdered sugar on that donut.
0: (laughs) I was going to say there's no drool in this sleep. (laughs) It's just a feeling of purposelessness. A lack of purpose. Again, you know what I'm frustrated by? Not so much the book as Stephen King. He didn't write it, but we got the choice of this book from a list of Stephen King's favorite books. And I have tweeted to him... Over and over again, asking him to join our book club. Temporarily, maybe he thinks I'm asking him to join full-time, and I'm not, Stephen King. We have a plenty big cast as it is. Yeah, we're, we're fine, Stephen <laughs> King. Or we were until we started reading this book. Uh, I googled a list of famous authors, and this was from a list of like 35 of the best authors of all time, and he was on the list, and he owes us an explanation. That's all I'm saying. Was he tricking us? We're not done yet, but it should be that many of the pages are entertaining and that you don't have to wait until the end. (laughs) 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 Herman Melville doesn't use that philosophy, but I do.
1: Let's go around our hub and, and get reactions from our crew and cast here. Let's go to uh, the Simi Valley where we have Captain Crinkle, your manager, our producer, and drinker of just obscene amounts of coffee that don't seem to have pepped her up none tonight. It's Bonnie Burns.
2: You know why if I don't seem pepped up? Because I started drinking decaf. I let myself have one cup of calf and the rest decaf. Oh.
1: Oh. Is it a health thing?
2: Well, I started reading, and I think I can give you high blood pressure and blah, 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 blah. Oh. So I got some blood tests, and I thought, ah, I should go to one cup of coffee. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just fell
0: asleep. <laughs> On the blood test, did it come back that you had blah, 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 blah? Yeah, if the one cup of coffee is the size of a wading pool, I don't really <laughs> think that... I don't, I don't think it matters the number of cup. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there
1: you go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, here, here we go, Bonnie. Tell us about your reaction to those chapters.
2: I'm really interested in what those authors had to say that Paula was reading because I had read somewhere that to be describing clothes is a very sophomoric way of writing, and she does a lot of that. Name one suit of clothes that she's described. His dark pants were tucked into his black boots. Yeah, and, and
1: the black dress that Lizzie wears when she's uh, kidnapped and the white thing that she's got on under it, that, that's described.
2: That's true there's a lot of descriptions about, not even descriptions about streets that don't seem to impact anything. You know, it's Bristol Street and Coffin's Lane. And, you know, so I started (laughs) thinking whether Paula had mentioned this once a while ago, you know, you have to do so many words to get your manuscript accepted for publication once they made the deal with you and I swear to god I was listening to those names of all those streets and I thought well she must have needed to really fill this out (laughs) and I thought it was great that there was a murder I was a little surprised when Carl did that I still just feel like I'm not that curious about the characters I respect anybody who writes a book I think it's an incredibly difficult thing to do this is a coherent book she did that, but it's just—well,
1: <laughs> wow, that's a low bar, there, Burns. Well, yeah. no, but
2: I mean, I don't think it's that easy to write a book. I went to a play once in Los
0: Angeles with a friend of mine, whose friend was in the play. The play was terrible, and my friend said of his friend afterwards, "I think it was really great that he could remember all of those lines." <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and he was—he was dead serious. By the way, he was trying to think of something positive to. Yeah, that was what he came up with. That's that's not much of a review. And Bonnie, you're right. It's not easy to write a book, but like it's not
1: that hard. Paul has written a couple of books. I've written three books.
0: Fuck you. The fact that I could write a couple books is part of your evidence that it's not that hard to write a book. Did I hear that? I think I did hear that. I think that's what I heard. Yeah, no, you heard it, but I yeah. I immediately said
1: that. I wrote a couple of books. Adam, answer the phone. Wait, Adam, no, no. Adam,
3: <laughs> Adam, answer I feel the like phone.
1: We're getting off track here. Adam, um, answer the phone. God damn it! Hello.
0: Hey, Adam, it's just me, my boo-boo bonafide man. Are you right? Man, yeah, yeah. You know what? I. I <laughs> Bob Poundstoke can write more than one book. It can't be that fucking hard to write a book. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of writing a book myself. Because if she can write two, I should be able to write, oh, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know.
1: E- easy, Mike. You should probably get right on that.
0: I might even make them, uh, what is it, graphic novels, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Do you draw, yeah. Mike?
0: No, but I say fuck a lot. You know, that's graphic.
1: That's a different kind of
0: graphic. Yeah, that's the kind I'm going to do. Graphic novel. Okay. Yeah. So, Mike, you were just calling
1: calling to agree with me about... Yeah!
0: Oh, man, yeah. I hang on your every word. And uh, I just love it when we're like, you know, brothers. You know what I mean? You and we're me. We're in no
1: way like brothers, Mike. <laughs>
0: you, you and me. No, man, we're exactly like brothers. You know what I mean right now? High four, honestly. If, if you were with me Mike, right now... Mike, what happened to your other I, finger? Oh, I cut my thumb off. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no. I, yeah, yeah. And that's
1: why you said high four just now? You cut your thumb off?
0: Yeah, I cut my thumb off. I was making one of my Influencer videos and, right. uh, you know, cut my fucking thumb off. I think I'll put that in the graphic novel. Dude, how
1: did the thumb come off? What, 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 what did you do?
0: Well, you know, first it was the skin and then it was the bone. That's how it came off. No, I, I know
1: the sequence, <laughs> the likely sequence of it, but the, did, it, did you blow it off? Did you cut it off? Did you get it caught in something?
0: I was using a portable table saw and, you know, I held it up trying to. Cut a limb off a tree and hit my thumb the whole fucking thumb came right off. that's probably gonna be the name of my graphic novels the old fucking thumb came right off that's, that's
1: <laughs> did just save it, Mike because they can reattach thumbs nowadays
0: <clears throat> nah i didn't I didn't oh, uh, you should have done that ah <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, now I just have to say you know a high four you know,
1: or you could use the other hand,
0: yeah, you know it's fucking up my whole ham puppet career down the drain now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm sorry mike that's true yeah
0: all my hand puppet characters their mouth is always just hanging open you know <laughs>
1: it's a bummer mike well uh thanks for calling
0: yeah i gotta go i gotta get back to this book uh dark you know dark uh dark corners, corners. Yeah. Oh, it's, f- it's fantastic uh <laughs> stephen king and i are going out later today probably gonna talk you know literature Uh, It
1: feels unlikely, but have a great time, Mike.
0: All right. Good, good, good talk to you. High four. High four. Wow. That was
1: unexpected.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) that guy loves you, you know. Yeah, well. Mm -hmm. You're beloved, Adam. You are beloved. (laughs) Hey, you know who's also beloved? Over
1: in (laughs) Sherman Oaks, California. It's Tony Anita Hulk. Gosh darn it, is she America's sweetheart nowadays? <laughs> and, um, oh, she is. Yeah. Tony Anita Hull, how did you react to these uh, grisly chapters of Dark Corners?
4: Well, sad that that my guy Dermot is dead. That was oh, the guy what? you liked? <laughs> <laughs> A little tear. Pour one out for, for Dermot. But, um, Let's pour one out for Dermot. Yeah, I, I thought he was the most interesting person, so I'm not sure who to be interested in now, maybe it's Carl, because now he's a serial killer. He's just going to go around and kill people, maybe. Well, he's
1: not a serial killer. He's killed <laughs> one person.
4: I know, but if you count, what's her name, Stacy? What, li- yeah, no.
0: but he didn't kill Stacy. That's no. the other thing. But did it's he, so- he? No, uh-huh. he did not. No, he sold her pills that she asked for that are not illegal. He didn't do anything wrong. I think that's part of what's weird about the whole story, come to think of it. It's that, you know, he's been driven to insanity from a thought that just festers in his head that doesn't really have any basis in reality. Sorry, Tony. What else, Tony? That's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that I agree with with all three of you guys, because uh, I just don't feel like this is ever really building up any kind of momentum. Like, Carl's been tortured by Dermot since basically chapter one. So I guess I, I guess I kind of enjoyed him being driven to madness. And, but then this whole, like, Lizzie getting kidnapped thing feels completely unmotivated. Like, perhaps Our Lady Ruth Rendell got bored herself and thought that the novel needed a little something <laughs> extra. Yeah. And so worked, it worked a completely unmotivated kidnapping in there. And then I hope it connects to something down the road.
0: I think she should put in commercials and songs. Commercials and songs? Like theme songs? No, just songs. Just the characters should burst into song, and then they should cut away to commercials in the book um, because that could actually make it more interesting. Yeah, I, I
1: suppose so. It's a little hard to do that in novel form. but um, It could be done. It could be done, absolutely. Well, I, don't, I don't need to tell you, Paula. You've written a couple of books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. My first book was called Any Idiot Could Do This. <laughs> <laughs> my second book was called told You."
1: <laughs> alright now I'm not calling Ruth Rendell an idiot I do hope that because there is like a third of the book left it looks like so I think that shit's going to get even crazier now and I'm hoping for that because actual crazy events as we've all pointed out is really all we can hope for in this because we're not going to get amazing funny moments or vivid descriptions of stuff or cool stylistic writing stuff
0: I'm I'm hoping for either. Yes, yeah, some sort of crazy, you know, twists and turns or blank pages. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, those do go down easier. Uh, it'll be funny to see if um, if there's anything other than just the police getting closer and closer and inevitably finding the backpack and connecting it to the duck and all that stuff, because uh, if that's the way the rest of this book is going, oh, boy, Stephen King is going to owe us. Yeah the full the full really price of does. that book.
2: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey Adam and Paula. Yeah. I was thinking since we're kind of a fair way through this book that maybe we should put the word out for the nobodies to start making suggestions for the next oh, book. That's
1: a good idea. That's the mark of a quality book that you're already thinking about what the next one is.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, no, no, no. That way there won't have to be a delay uh, between oh, yeah when we're done, and picking the next one. That was my thought.
1: That's a good thought, Bonnie. And I will say, nobody's, if you have an idea for what we <laughs> might want to see next uh, in, a, in our bookie bookie book club, why don't you make those suggestions either on our Facebook page or by sending us an email to to Poundstone at gmail.com. And with that, I call today's book club to a close. Nobody got censured, so it's a winner of a day.
0: Yay! Yay! Hey Paula. <laughs> yes. Adam, do you have a vocabulary word? <laughs> you know I do. I have a word. It's sally. Sally. Yes. Sally is such a great word. It has more than one meaning. It, it can be a noun that means a witty or lively reply. I'm I, I'm afraid this may be a sally-free episode. Um here, I'll use it. In, <laughs> I'll use it in a sentence. Mitch McConnell's mysterious bruising months ago was the result of his attempt at a sally. Uh, I love this word. I, I only wish I could remember it. Let's try putting it right into the vocabulary song. This week's word is Sally. It can be a noun that means a woody or lively reply. Tucker Carlson tucks his brains in his fly. Last week's word was (laughs) fecund. It's an adjective whose second meaning is producing many new and creative ideas. Edible hats made of tortillas. The week before that, the word was taciturn. It's an adjective that means of a person reserved or uncommunicative in speech, saying little. Won't talk, only likes to whittle. Let's never forget free, which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful.
0: Tony Anita Hull, every bosun's favorite passenger. <laughs> if you can, without Googling, identify the sentence with the correct use of our form or vocabulary word, phlegmatic. We will give literally dollars worth of advertising to Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books at 5445 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. However, and I would rather eat worms than even think about it, but if you cannot identify the sentence with the correct use of our former vocabulary word phlegmatic, without Googling, we will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books at 5445 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Whew! Are you ready, Tony Anita Hull? Yes. Okay. Is the correct use of the word phlegmatic A, it takes a phlegmatic person to work effectively in the emergency room? B... The pink horizontal striped pants combined with the orange and green plaid shirt had a phlegmatic effect. C. Runny eggs are so phlegmatic they gross me out. D. They're selling a cheap phlegmatic on late night TV. Or E. Must you be so phlegmatic with the paper bag? I asked Bonnie Burns. (laughs) Do you need to hear the list again? Tony Anita Hall.
4: Can you do the list one more time? I'm sorry.
0: I can do the list one more time. And for those, uh, nobody's following closely, Tony Anita Hall's favorite food is sushi. Uh, So those sentences are A, It takes a phlegmatic person to work effectively in the emergency room. B, the pink horizontal striped pants combined with the orange and green plaid shirt had a phlegmatic effect. C, runny eggs are so phlegmatic they gross me out. Or D, they're selling a cheap phlegmatic on late night TV. Or E, must you be so phlegmatic with your paper bag, I asked Bonnie Burns. Um... Tony Anita Hall was academically ranked third in her class at Borgate Catholic School.
4: Um, is it... Tony Anita okay. Hall
0: played in the forward position for her school team, the Knights.
4: Um...
0: Tony it... Anita Hall bench presses 20 pounds. <laughs> that sounds so sad.
4: Yes. Um, <laughs> um, the one... Um, Tony Anita Hall's favorite musician is pink
0: um the one is it a that has the er oh 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 oh. that one that is (laughs) correct tony anita hull congratulations of course phlegmatic is an adjective that means calm and unemotional so the answer was a it takes a phlegmatic person to work effectively in the emergency room. Congratulations, you're back up on your horse. Tony Anita Hull. Oh, by the way, congratulations as well to Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books at 5445 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to whom we can offer literally dollars worth of advertising. That's Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books at 5445 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's fantastic. Tony, congratulations. Well, you know who must be overjoyed is Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books. They'll Um, get those dollars worth of advertising.
1: Yeah. Literally dollars worth of advertising. Coming up, Gary Allen said, you can be the moon and still be jealous of the stars. But what if you're the moon and you feel like other moons might be handling it better? And what about all these craters? I thought they were going to clear up. Everybody else's have. (laughs) We'll be comparing ourselves to others when we come back hey paula it's been almost a year now since i got my helix mattress and as you remember there was some drama surrounding helix mattresses because when helix first sponsored us bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it but finally i got my chance to get a helix mattress and i sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally, and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy, and yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan.
0: Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort.
1: Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me.
0: Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out
1: the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway,
0: use our code. Adam, you know, I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll it's it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. OK, so earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest as I'm laying on the floor. Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yelling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love? Which brings me to this.
1: as they are.
0: Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit
1: ASPCA Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A S P C A. Petinsurance.com Paula.
0: Honey, while you're up, will you get me a glass of water? Hey, that's no steps for man.
1: (laughs) And we are back. Thank you, house band Raymond Horton, everybody. Yeah. Sounding great, Raymond.
0: Thank you, Raymond. Paula, what's up? You know, Adam, I've been a little down lately. Oh. I went to high school with Barbara Wu, and uh, she's a doctor. I was in high school with her sister, Patty Wu, too. She's a big Hollywood manager. You know, Jesse Diggins is the winningest cross-country skier in Olympic history, and I've been having some trouble with my left knee. I think Barbara Streisand was 21 when she first did Funny Girl. Nikki Arnstein, Nicky Arnstein, what a beautiful, beautiful name. I never should have turned it down. (sighs) Spider-Man was able to forgive the Sandman for killing his uncle. My uncles all died of natural causes. I wonder if this is healthy, all these comparisons.
1: Wow, you know, this is really interesting. First, offhand, I would say maybe it's not, and maybe there's a better approach. I don't know, but we happen to have somebody here who would know. Oh my gosh! (laughs) What a <laughs> flukish coincidence. He is a psychology professor at University of Texas, Austin, and host of the podcast Two Guys on Your Head. Please welcome Dr. Art Markman. Yay!
0: Yay.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey.
0: Art Markman knows if comparing yourself to others is healthy. I have no idea. Thank you for joining us. I saw your article... Uh, on Twitter, somebody had posted a link to FastCompany.com, I think it was, about not comparing oneself to others. And it really caught my eye because I do do that. Oh, in fact, I felt bad that I hadn't written the article. What made you write this article, Art? And, and, and I'm assuming that I am not the only person who does this. <laughs>
5: Uh, you, are, you are not the only person who does it. Um, what made me write that article, as it turns out, was that the editors asked me to because they've also noticed that lots of people make these kinds of comparisons. And it was funny because they asked me to do this right about the time that I was chatting with a colleague who has a wonderful job and does great work and was feeling bad about herself because there were other people who had done more. And so it just, it, it came at exactly the right time. And it's a, it's a fascinating thing because it's very natural to wanna to compare yourself to other people and, and what they have and what they do. And there's there's two kinds of comparisons. There's what we call downward social comparisons, which is where you look down at somebody who's worse off than you. And those tend to make you feel a little smug about yourself actually, because you're, you're better off along uh, a dimension. And then there's the upward social comparisons, which are characterized by a lot of what you were just talking about, which is you're looking at somebody who's better off than you are in some way. And when you make those comparisons, what happens is you notice the gap between where you are in your life and where they are in their lives. And now you're feeling like you don't measure up. And that gap, well, it creates energy. And if that energy has nowhere to go, then it exhibits itself in frustration. And so that's why you you feel frustrated or angry with yourself or, or maybe a little dejected because that energy is just kind of dissipating.
0: I have allergies, always have. And when I was a kid, I used to take allergy shots, which required going to the pediatrician. At first, it was, I think, once a week, and then it was once every two weeks. It was unending sitting in the waiting room at the pediatrician. And I remember that I would sit there and look around the room, and, you know, kids would be crying or throwing stuff or whatever, or their mothers would be yelling at them. And I would literally sit in a chair at the pediatrician's office and think to myself, I am the best-behaved child in this room. That's great.
1: But, you know, for me, I would open up Highlights Magazine and see all those kids who were better at art than I was.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It can cut either way. (laughs) It definitely can. When you said it's perfectly natural to compare yourself, why? Why do you think the brain does that?
5: Well, we all like to know whether we're good people, bad people, and that kind of evaluation, you have to do that against some kind of standard. Mm -hmm. And for most things, we don't have a scale that tells us how good we are at stuff. So because we don't have a scale, what we have to do is to, is to make up that scale. And the way we do that is to look at other people who have done the same kind of thing or who have some similar life experience. And then from that, we know, oh, I'm, I'm doing better or worse than they are. So that, that comparison makes sense. I mean, you know, you think about it. Well, you know, you, you see a particular house and that house costs $600,000. Is that a lot of money for a house or a little money for a house? It sort of depends, right? It depends right. on on what what the neighbors are paying. But it's actually kind of interesting, right? Because realtors tell you have the least expensive house in the expensive neighborhood, because that's where the house holds its value. But that's also the neighborhood where you walk around and look at all the other houses and you're miserable. Oh, because everyone else has a bigger <laughs> house. Because it's all these upward social comparisons. So, so the realtors want you to hold on to value, but they don't want you to be happy. To be happy, you want to have the biggest house in the neighborhood with all the small houses. It won't hold its value, but you're going to be living in a bigger house than everybody around you.
0: I don't know if that. You're also going <laughs> to dust more.
5: Uh, You know, every
0: room has more surfaces. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. If I want to do something, uh, you know, that someone else is doing or at the level that someone else is doing it, why isn't that just motivation?
5: You know, it it can be. So if you think about that, there's two dimensions that can get you to be motivated. The first is you need the energy. And that's where that gap comes in. So comparing yourself creates energy. But then the question is, is there a path? that would allow you to use that energy productively. So I I like to call that having a bridgeable gap. So if I see somebody else who's doing a little bit better than I am, and I think to myself, you know, with a little bit more practice or a little bit more work of a particular kind, I could reach that level. Then that comparison's motivating. Mm -hmm. But the problem is a lot of times we compare ourselves to people who are so much better than we are at something And so much more advanced that we can't see where that path is. And so now what we have is energy and no path to get that to do anything for us. And so then that energy just creates, you know, bad feeling.
1: Yeah. What else can you do with that energy besides using it as motivation?
5: Well, if, if you're not motivated, you're going to have to find a way to blow off that energy, right? I mean, you're going to have to try and at least, you know, devote it to something else productive if you can, because otherwise it does make you feel like you want to yell at somebody or write bad things about yourself in your diary or something like that. And so really <laughs> what what you want to do is to, is to channel that into something productive.
0: Now that you mentioned the diary thing, I remember a few years ago hearing that, I, I don't know who the they is, but that they had discovered or decided that journaling was actually not good for people because you tended to uh, live in whatever problem you were writing about. Do you ascribe to that idea or or that it is a good thing to do?
5: Well, um, I, I teach all my classes that the answer to every hard uh, question in psychology is it depends. Yeah. And in this case, um, if you have a really traumatic situation that you've gone through, Mm -hmm. uh, my colleague at at UT, Jamie Pennebaker, has done a lot of really great work on what's called expressive writing. And so if you've gone through a traumatic experience, writing about it several times is actually really beneficial because what it does is it allows you to weave that traumatic experience into a story. And once it's a story and it's coherent, actually it bothers you less than when it's a bunch of fragments that you haven't really been able to process.
0: We're reading a book, uh, our book club on our show uh, is reading a book called uh, Dark Corners by Ruth Rendell. And I'm fairly certain that uh, this was just her second pass at her own personal trauma. Uh, (laughs) Well, she's got a ways to go to weave it into an actual story. I I, I have at times been clever enough when noticing myself, comparing myself badly uh, to someone else, you know, put a stop to it and decided to put that same energy into writing or uh, not journaling, but, you know, writing, uh, working on new ideas, you know, recognizing that it is sort of a forced Uh, that can be uh, redirected like a, like a boomerang of some sort. And I find that helpful. So this particular thing was requested by the editors of fastcompany.com, but is it a topic that you've spoken to your students about?
5: Yeah, I you know I almost everything that they ask me to write about ends up being something that I've read a lot about and 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 talked to talked to students about and written about in other places, and you know sp- I've spent a lot of time researching motivation and how you can do better at achieving your goals, and so you know so- social comparison ends up definitely being a part of that, and to me the trick is to is to find productive ways to channel. What you're doing, because one of the problems is people say, well, okay, if I shouldn't do these social comparisons, I should just stop. And the problem is, the human brain is really bad at not doing things. Yeah, and it's really bad at stopping doing things. If you think about all of the, the hardest habits to change they tend to be where you're doing something and now you need to not do it because the brain's not really good at not doing stuff so so what we have to do instead is to find something else to do so that when you find yourself tempted to compare yourself to somebody else you have to redirect yourself and say you know what instead of making that comparison I'm going to do something else so you know one thing that's that's common for academics and probably in your world too is that colleagues win awards all the time yes and and so You know, if you if you don't win an award, it's it's tempting to then look at those other people and say, I don't measure up. I'm really you know, if I if I were really good at this, I would have won some kind of an award by now. And so what you need to do instead in that case is actually celebrate what other people's successes, because generally speaking, it's not a zero sum game. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the more people who succeed who are like you, the more likely it is that people will want stuff like what you do.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Ooh, that's a positive spin.
0: Yeah. Is that why Burger King and McDonald's sometimes open on the same street?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Because, because if, you know, people are thinking, well, this this must be the place to go to get, you know, deep fried burger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Max
1: Frisch once said, jealousy is the fear of comparison. And, man, I, I wish I'd said that. Why don't I ever come up with shit like that? <laughs> guess I'm just no Max Frisch. More about self-comparison when we come back. The cat of the week is Kobe from Santa Barbara, California.
0: Hey, guess what? I'm back out performing in theaters, which is good, because cats don't laugh. And the city workers digging up the pipes in the alley for the last month were not enjoying my work. You, sir, with the shovel and the reflective vest, uh, what do you do for a living? Ma'am, you want to get the fuck out of here. Well, how does that title look on a business card? Ma'am, do you want to get the fuck out of here? What skills are required for that job? So... It'll be good to be back with you in a theater. I have missed you so much. If you'll come vaxxed or tested and masked, we'll be able to revel in a night of healing laughter again and again and again. And I won't get hit with a shovel.
6: (laughs) ¶¶
0: And we are back with Art Markman. Uh, You know what you were just saying reminded me of is in San Francisco, I don't know if they still have it, but I was a a young comic in San Francisco for a few years, and they had the San Francisco Comedy Competition, and I did it one year, and it was a great lesson. It was something like a five-night process. And the first night I won, and then the next night I didn't, and the next night I didn't, and the next So my name kept sort of going down the list. And, you know, in the end, I I basically did what they call losing. And (laughs) later I realized that I was hanging so much on the opinions of these stand-up comedy judges when, in truth, I don't really care what any one of them thinks, but it was like once you put it in this kind of competitive... It's a competitive business anyways, but I'd rather compete with what I think, you know, than somebody else. It's so easy to slip into that where suddenly I had no value to myself anymore because I was very jealous of the people who had been successful.
5: Whose rules are you going to live by, right? I mean, that's, you know, that, that in, in part, you know, we, we set out things like a career path and we think this is the thing I'd like to achieve. And then when either somebody sets up a competition or you compare yourself to somebody else who was on their path, now you're playing by somebody else's rules. And if you really begin to buy into that, now your definition of success is measured by somebody else's definition of success rather than the one that you started out with.
0: Right. Ooh. And then you have to call them up and say, how am I doing? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Which you don't want to do. I want to rack this
1: back a, a bit to the, Something that you said right at the top, Art, which is which is that there, there were two kinds of comparisons.
5: No, um, the first
0: thing you c- said, I think was hello. Are you going back that
1: far? No, yeah, well, you know what? I'll go back to that. I, I want to say that I, I think, think the you're first reading- thing
5: I said was, Is this mic on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Let's go forward a little bit past the hellos. And you said there were two kinds of comparisons. The bad kind. And then there's the other kind where you compare yourself favorably to somebody else and it gives you that smug and good feeling. You almost made it sound like being self-satisfied and making that kind of comparison is a good
5: thing,
0: is it? No, I don't think I, he meant it was a good
1: I, thing.
5: I, I don't think I intended to say that that was a good thing. No, oh, you I, did. I I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will say every once in a while when you're feeling particularly bad about yourself and you can't, you really can't snap out of it. I think there are moments where making one of those downward social comparisons and just saying, you know what, I really am better off than a whole bunch of other people can get you out of a funk. And I think that used in moderation, that can be okay. The problem is that if you get too self-satisfied because you spend all your time comparing yourself to other people and believing your own press, at some point you stop trying because it's not very energizing. To feel like, oh, yeah, I've accomplished all this stuff that nobody else has. It doesn't necessarily spur you to want to do more because you're thinking, well, I'm the king of the hill here.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I don't think of, well, have I? Uh, I don't know.
1: I feel like you're always striving, Paula.
0: Am I? Yeah, I think I'm always striving. I'm really hoping to learn to cross-country ski so that I can put Jesse Diggins in her place, I'll tell you that. Wow. Uh, winningest cross-country skier in Olympic history. Um, you're right. It's a thing that the brain does without one even asking it to. How do you stop that impulse?
5: So as I say, one of the things you have to do is redirect. So you've got to find other actions that you're going to take when you find yourself starting to compare yourself to someone else. Now you've got to find something else to do. One of the things that you can do is, you know, a lot of people will, will have either physical or or at least mental lists of things that they're trying to accomplish and their definitions of success. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things you can do when you find yourself in that space where you're looking at other people is to take a step back and say, wait a second, what actually, what am I trying to accomplish? What, Mm -hmm. what is it that is going to be my definition of success and refocus on, on your own purpose. And so now you can center yourself in that way. I think that's one thing that you can do that's really helpful. The other is when you find yourself really down about these kinds of things, you know, one of the things that happens is when you make these upward social comparisons is you start feeling competitive with other people. And when, when, when you start feeling competitive, a lot of times it makes you feel like, you know what, I'm out here on my own. I've got to do everything by myself. And it makes you feel a little bit more alone. It makes you feel less part of your community because a lot of the people you compare yourself to tend to be people who are somewhat similar to you. Mm -hmm. So they're they're sort of in your community. And yet, now that you're you're making this comparison and you're feeling bad about yourself, you feel bad about them, it makes you feel more alone. The antidote to that is actually gratitude. It's always hokey to tell people make a gratitude list. But it, it turns out when you start to list the things you're grateful for, what it tends to do is to focus you on. All of the other people in the world who have helped you to get where you are right now, because almost everything you're grateful for ends up involving other people who in some way or another have helped you in your career, in your life, in other pursuits. And that exercise tends to make you feel actually much more connected to your community in ways that help you to get beyond that, that kind of comparison.
0: Okay, what do you think about this idea? Every time I compare myself to someone else, I eat a bag of chips. Sounds delicious. I take that energy <laughs> and I put it into eating a bag of chips.
5: Yeah, I no. I don't think that's that's the direction yeah, you okay. want to go in. All no, right. I think that's probably not the kind of self-soothing we're looking for.
0: Yeah. Uh. Okay, remember when your parents would say stuff to you like, you know, I was raised in an upper middle class. Suburb in massachusetts uh didn't have a lot to complain about really but that didn't mean i didn't feel like complaining a lot and if i was feeling really depressed or something you know uh people around me had a tendency to say stuff like you know well there are people starving in africa and i would think to myself like okay it just made me feel worse (laughs) (laughs) It it was just like oh so even my options aren't good
5: you know, it's got to be internally driven. I, you know, I, I always say there's only really one psychology joke, right, which is the how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. And it, it turns out that it's <laughs> deeply true, right? You, you, you can't tell somebody do things differently and have that work out well.
1: Well, what if you say it louder and louder and louder? Eventually, they're going to get it, right?
5: You know, it's certainly been my parents' MO. Um, <laughs> and, and it might, it still might work after all these years. But... Um, it's repetition. I think it's, its at some point, each of us has to hit that realization that, no, there's actually other ways that I could approach things. You know, we we can't control a lot of the things that happen to us in our lives, but we we do have a fair amount of control over how we choose to react to those. And so taking an opportunity to rethink how we want to react, to rethink the actions that we want to take when something happens that initially makes us feel bad is really the best path we have towards feeling good about our lives. Celebrate. Celebrate other people's successes.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is something that honestly, I I don't do nearly (laughs) enough of. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's hard, and I'm not proud of that as I say it. And part of it is probably because I am so isolated. Although in truth, one thing may have led to the other. <laughs> now, how do you know for sure that that will work? Have is there
1: been studies? Paula needs assurances that this celebrating other people thing is going to work before she goes ahead
0: and does it. I, I don't want to congratulate someone unnecessarily. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
5: I don't want to get out on a limb. I can certainly understand that. No, I, you know, I I think that that what you have to understand is all these feelings that we have, they are a reflection of the way that we're motivated. So I don't know if you've ever asked yourself, where do all these feelings come from? Because people will say, don't do that. Just be happy. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. So your motivational system is buried way deep in the brain. We have brain structures that mice and rats and sheep have, and we have them too. But but the difference, if you look at the brains of mice and rats and sheep versus humans, where we differ is having this whole cortex that allows us to tell stories and things like that. Problem is that the cortex that, that allows us to do all this deep thinking, it's not that well connected to all those older brain structures that really drive us to act. So you can't really introspect and say, What are my goals? What are my motivations? You tell a story, but it's not really a true story. The way that that motivational system communicates with the rest of the brain is Mm -hmm. it generates these feelings. When things are going motivationally well, you feel good. When things go motivationally badly, you feel bad. And the more invested you are in that, the stronger the feeling. So what that means is that you need to redirect your motivation. You need to you need to pursue a different goal if you want to change the way that you're feeling about things. And so all of these strategies for getting you out of the funk that a social comparison creates are designed to change the kind of motivation that you've got at that moment. And so what happens when you celebrate somebody else's victory with somebody else's success is you are temporarily adopting their goal and feeling like you succeeded at it because that's the beauty of being human is that we can actually share a set of goals it's the reason why the los angeles rams win the super bowl and the city goes crazy why none of them went out and played that i was just gonna ask you that Yeah. But because in that moment, if you're a Rams fan, you have adopted their goal to win the Super Bowl. And so in that shining moment, you also just won the Super Bowl. So celebrating another person's win is basically allowing you to adopt their goal, to have this pursuit and to feel that joy that they're experiencing. And, you know, it's actually kind of nice to do that because a lot of times we tend to motivate ourselves actually by trying to create the absence of something bad. You know, we say, well, if I don't finish this project, all hell's gonna break loose. There's gonna be calamity. And so when there's a calamity out there and you haven't yet avoided it, you experience stress and fear and anxiety. I mean, look, there are some actual calamities out there where you should feel stressed and anxious. The problem is we manufacture a whole bunch of other ones and the fundamental problem with that is when you remove the threat when you when you finish the project so that the client isn't angry at you or whatever it is you don't experience joy at that you experience relief
1: true you know
5: and so if you constantly motivate yourself by trying to avoid calamity you you spend your life vacillating between anxiety and relief and there's no joy there's no satisfaction there's no happiness Happiness comes when there's some desirable, some beautiful thing out there that you haven't achieved yet. And what you're trying to do is to achieve it. And when you achieve a beautiful, wonderful, desirable thing, you feel joy and happiness and satisfaction. And so if you're having trouble motivating yourself towards positive things, celebrating somebody else's achievement puts you on that axis of focusing on some beautiful thing that got achieved. And it gives you that practice at focusing on the wonderful thing that you're trying to achieve. And that's life changing in its own way, because now you approach more of the things you do in your life by saying, what's the wonderful thing that I could accomplish? What's the fun that I could have with this?
0: I. This sounds really great. Um, You know, on the other hand, you know, there's a thing, uh, you know, I was court ordered to AA for like five years and uh, I went, um, but I'm not an AA'er. But one of the philosophies is, you know, helping others. A- and by the way, I think that's a great idea. But in an AA room, it's like you're in a hive of people that are trying to be helpful to make themselves feel better. And it's really, <laughs> it's really pretty transparent. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> So so I don't want to be too fast and loose with my congratulations. You know what I mean? Uh, because I want it to be, yes, I realize that you have to kind of practice and, and, and maybe fake it for a few seconds. But, yeah, I don't just want to be like, you know, congratulations. You don't have to much. go
1: running down the street like Jimmy Stewart at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Just going, yeah.
0: like, congratulations, old buildings and loan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I would like to be that happy though. Um, But I, I, uh, all right. That sounds like I'm going to really, okay. I'm really going to push myself in that direction. Did you come up with this solution art or, or is it something you read about?
5: Uh, You know, it's a bit of a mix. I spend a lot of time reading about different studies on motivation in addition to the work that I do, but because I also try to spend a lot of time bringing my field outward I think I also end up spending a lot of time trying to apply this in settings that go beyond what the studies do. You know, it's when you're a researcher, a lot of the research you do is studies that that kind of study the head of the pin, mm-hmm. and what happens is you rarely describe the whole pin, let alone the pin cushion or the table it sits on, right? The whole context in which these things happen, and uh, what I found to be really enriching about having conversations like this, is it forces you to think across a lot of the research that gets done and ask the question, how would what we've learned about human psychology, how would that actually play out in people's lives and not just in these specific rarefied circumstances that we use in studies?
1: Now, do you think that we have learned more from this conversation than most people you talk to about it? or do most people tend to learn more
5: than us? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I think you all learned what you needed to learn today.
0: I think you've done a wonderful job, by the way, Art, and I want to <laughs> congratulate you. Wow. <laughs>
1: well done. Art, that was excellent. And now we are going to take everything that we just learned, which is more than most people you talk to when you talk to them about these subjects, and we're going to run that information through the
0: old donator, Paula? House band Raymond Horton, thank you so much. You're trombone is sounding fantastic, and you've spiced up our show immeasurably. If I could ask you for some background music, Raymond, I'll tell you what the old pounce spit out. Psychologist Art Markman, thank you for being here. You've been so helpful in speaking to a problem that has really plagued me my whole life, comparing myself to others. From here on in, I'm gonna remember what you've said and apply it to this devilish tendency. Person I'd have once compared myself to. Hi Paula, how are you? Me, good enough I guess, how are you? Person I'd have once compared myself to. I'm sorry, but I probably can't talk long. I have to be back on set soon. I just ran over here for lunch. I'm doing a teeny little part over at Paramount. Do you still have a lot of cats? (laughs) Voice in my head. Why don't I have a lot of parts? Why don't I have any parts? I've been coached by Fred Willard, Bill Irwin, Lily Tomlin, Betsy Brandt. I suck. Wait, wait, wait. What did psychologist Art Markman say? This is not healthy, and it's kind of gross. Try being happy for her. After all, it's only a teeny part. Me. Yeah, I have 10. Person I'd have once compared myself to. Ew, don't they pee territorially when you have that many? (laughs) Me. Mm, Sometimes. Person I'd have (laughs) once compared myself to. I just have one. He would never tolerate another cat. Yup, it's just Reiner and me. I named him after my first director. Didn't you once get really (laughs) drunk at Rob Reiner's house? Me. Yeah, I guess I did. I sure regret that. Person I might have once compared myself to. Don't feel bad. We all have stuff we've done that we regret. Voice in my head. See, now we're talking. Person I might have once compared myself to. Like I should never have agreed to direct this thing at Paramount. Voice in my head. Don't compare. Just say, I'll bet that's exhausting. Me. So you're doing a teeny part in the thing you're directing? I'll bet that's exhausting. Person I might have once compared myself to. It is, but I just didn't want to leave my script in another director's hands. (laughs) Voice in my head. Steady, steady, no comparing. Me. Oh, so you're doing a teeny part in the thing that you wrote and you're directing at Paramount? Person I might have once compared myself to. Yeah. Voice in my head. <clears throat> Me. You know what? That's fantastic. That is a lot of work, but it's really exciting. Congratulations. Person I might have once compared myself to. Thank you. What about you? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Voice in my head. There you go. Me. The only thing new since I saw you last is that I have a podcast. It's called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. We have the best listeners in the business. I even had a guy named Matt Welsh write to me to tell me I pronounced feckin' wrong. And I record with my coworkers, who I love, once a week. And we sit around and say stuff and laugh. Person I might have once compared myself to. That sounds great. Me. You know what? It is. Voice in my head. It works. Don't you feel better? This is amazing. Person I might have once compared myself to. It was nice talking to you. I've got to get back to Paramount, a.k.a. the ball and chain. (laughs) A CEO's work is never done.
1: He's an author, a podcast host, and a professor of psychology at the University of Texas at Austin, Art Markman, everybody. Yay!
0: That's a Art, lot that of fantastic. things, Art. Congratulations on all those things. Why, thank you.
1: <laughs> you were so much better than all the other guests.
5: And <laughs> that, that makes me feel like I don't need to do anything else for the rest of the day.
1: Oh no, you can rest on your laurels. Coming up, when you're right, you're right. But when you're right and you're also Bonnie Burns, well, we're all going to hear about it. Captain Crinkles' revenge is coming up when we come back. <laughs> Fun fact our seventh planet was originally called George, a name that stuck until 1850 when it was renamed Uranus by its high school bully.
0: Adam, are we back?
1: Yeah, yes, I'm just getting set here.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. You're getting set. Yeah. But we're back.
1: Oh, yeah, we're back. We're back. Oh, we're back. And we're back. Are you, are you set? <laughs> Thank you, Raymond Horton, our house
0: band. Um, although Who knows? Hey, Raymond Horton. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Horton's youngest. Adam, answer the phone. Uh, what, Paula? An- an- answer the phone. I am not really in the mood to answer the phone, Paula. Oh, go ahead, answer the phone. <laughs>
1: uh, All right. Hello?
0: I probably shouldn't say this, but at times I get so scared when I think about the previous relationship we shared. Oh, boy. It was awesome, but we lost it. It's not possible for me not to care. And now we're standing in the rain, but nothing's ever going to change until you hear, my dear... The seven things I hate about you: Oh, Jesus. you! You're vain. You're games. You're insecure. You break your promises like you broke my mother's crock pot. You taught improv to Lavrov. You made me laugh. You made me cry.
1: Wow. Um, <laughs> Winnie. Winnie Feynman, What? What's wrong?
0: I don't have seven things I hate about you. I don't even really care about your games. I just threw that in because Miley Cyrus did. Okay. I bet you like her better than me. She's got more money than me. She could probably afford singing lessons and a brassiere that creates tension.
1: Yeah, she probably could afford a brassiere that, you know, Winnie, it's just not great to compare yourself to others in that way.
0: And the biggest thing I hate, the most that you do, you make me love you. I don't. It's awkward, (laughs) and it's silent as I wait for you to say. You'll meet me at the Herschel Bernardi Jr. Theater, and we'll do our play. When you mean it, I'll believe it. If you text it, I'll delete it. Let's be clear. My mother can no longer make stew, so she hates you. She'll tear you limb from limb and make me date a guy named Jim. (laughs) Adam?
1: Yes, Winnie?
0: I'm twerking right now.
1: Oh, I didn't (laughs) need to hear that, Winnie.
0: (laughs) I have to go now.
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, Thanks for calling, Winnie. I'm, I'm sorry that there's seven things you hate about me. Hey, Winnie. What? You know, sometimes crying is a thing best done after you hang up.
0: <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> all right. Goodbye, Adam. Goodbye, Winnie. Oh,
1: all that woman is a
0: mess. Wow. She is. She's making her energy go somewhere. I think that's great. She's expressing herself. No, I don't that's think that's really great at great. all. I don't I
1: don't yeah, think, no, I think, I don't think our, our guest would have would have felt like that was particularly healthy either because she's channeling her feelings of not comparing well into aggression.
0: Adam, answer the phone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. Um Answer okay. the phone. Hello.
0: Congratulations, you son of a bitch. What? Woo!
1: <laughs> Boy, she's really happy for you. I get it. She heard that previous (laughs) segment and she was celebrating my my successes.
0: Yeah, she's really happy for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, I
1: don't feel like that's great at all. But you know what? Let's put Winnie behind us because we have much more important things to get to right now, Paula. And you want Winnie twerking behind you. I really want that image out of my head somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Paula, you know what we have here, though? You know what? Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns, your manager, our producer, she takes a lot of guff on this show. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a yeah. lot of it's well-deserved, obviously. Yeah, but I think
0: she earns a lot of it. But yeah, I, I don't think so. She
1: yeah. disagrees. <laughs> but sometimes this happens, Paula. Sometimes Bonnie is right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she wants to kind of show us how right she was and how wrong we were to question her and to that end we have created the segment that we're going to uh start right now called captain crinkles revenge
2: (laughs) i don't even have a theme song
0: wow (laughs) whoa
1: whoa it's a
2: theme song
0: yeah really
2: uh Um, maybe one of you guys want to come up with it spur in the moment let's see how you do
1: it's rare in human history, just like Stonehenge. It's the kind of thing you have when you have a shrub or a henge. We don't want just a little; we want a binge. It's time for Captain Crinkle's revenge.
2: Yay! Wow. that was great. Yeah.
0: Well, the good news is it doesn't compare badly with any of the other theme songs.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's, I'd say it's
0: on par. I'd say I'd say it's right wow. there. Yeah, it's right there at the standard that's been set.
1: That's great. I I do want to point out that I did add a new wrinkle to the whole songwriting on this show thing, um, which is a rhyme or two.
0: Yeah, but there was... Really, a lot of your words did not rhyme, so... That's true. There were
1: several words that didn't rhyme.
0: Henge. Hedge. I'd say... uh, I think you did four words that ostensibly rhymed, and I would say that zero did. So that's great. Good for you. I
1: would say henge and revenge rhyme. But, yeah, I, yeah. I went with okay. a second henge, yeah. and then I did a – then I just faked it.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. So, Bonnie. Yeah, have, Paula. So go ahead. Get, I'm, uh, I'm here yeah. to set the record straight on a couple of things. So a couple of shows ago, I think it was episode 190, You said that I after I did the bookie bookie theme song, I said, Peter. So I'm going to play a clip from that for you. Mm -hmm. And you guys see, because everybody backed you up at the time. You went, I heard Peter. I heard Peter.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm going to own this, too. I thought you yelled Peter out of nowhere as well. And Tony did, too. We all thought you were flashing back possibly to um, showering with Peter Ustinoff.
2: And by the way, the kidding of me was merciless. Really? Oh. All the way through the show, it became a, a runner of you just hollering out, Peter, like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because it it's what you had done earlier. And so <laughs> we were...
1: <laughs> On behalf of myself and Paula, I want to apologize for injecting comedy into this show. But go oh, ahead. Okay. T-
2: <laughs> no, yeah. and at the time, I thought, even afterwards, I was like, why would I say Peter? Yeah. I, I, I didn't say Peter. I know I didn't say Peter. So...
0: Turns out you said pumpkin eater. Yeah, <laughs> our mistake. We just okay. got the rhyme
2: mixed up. Okay, go so ahead. So here, I'm going to Tony Anita Hall has a clip up of what happened. Would it
0: be wrong if we use the Perry Mason theme song? Da 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 da. Because this is this is evidence based. Da 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 da. Let's
1: play this clip.
2: Okay.
0: Captain
1: Crinkle's Revenge. Replay.
2: Oh, sorry, Bonnie. No, that's okay. Yeah, don't talk I'll over wait. the theme song. I'll wait. Yeah, you go ahead, Bonnie. I can wait. Well, I can't. <laughs> okay. I think she's going to do something to me. We no, got... No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I've worked with her for all these years. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a bookie, 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 book club. We got a book club. We got a book club. We're going to talk about our book tonight. Peter.
6: This
1: has been a Captain Crinkle's Revenge replay. (laughs) She said Peter again. That's pretty clear (laughs) that you yelled Peter for no
2: reason. So nobody wrote in on Facebook. And actually, I read her thing and I went, that's right. She was right. I remember what I said. So Tony's going to read you that uh, Well, you very clearly said Peter. I thought you were going to play <laughs> I didn't it back. say Peter.
0: I, and then we'd all be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't say Peter." But now I hear it again. I'm like, "Yeah, you fucking said Peter."
1: I got to agree, uh, with Paula. It sounds like Peter.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. You're, like, Tony, you got to fire your defense attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Perry, this has not been a strong argument. Tony's going to
2: give you what made me remember what I really said. Okay. So
4: Marianne Cordes Rosado wrote in, Bonnie yelled, beat her after the book club theme song because she beat Paula by completing the song before Paula could interrupt. But it sounded like Peter.
2: Thank you very much. And I have to tell you, I called our editor right afterwards and I went, guess what? I didn't say Peter. I got in there fast enough that Paula couldn't interrupt me and I went Beater and he had a good laugh too. Huh. huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, l- let me let me ask you two things. Uh, first I want to know Paula do, do you accept that argument?
0: Uh, well, yes. Let me just say th- that you say Peter very much the same way you say Beater. Or perhaps you say "Beater" a lot the way you say Peter.
1: I guess the the thing that I want to point out here is, Bonnie, I think you probably did say "Beater," but I think what led to the confusion and eventually the hilarity, and I do recommend that everybody go back to episode 190 and just enjoy again that with us. um, It was funny. Is that seconds later, you had completely no memory of having shouted out anything.
0: (laughs) 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 That's, That's where it
1: turns weird, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you had said, no, I said beater, then we might have gone, oh, okay, you said beater. But instead, you said, well, I don't remember that. I didn't, I say, didn't say that. I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I I was involved in the moment. I was singing oh. the song, and then yeah. you guys like went into this thing about why'd you say Peter? <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> like Peter? It
4: really did. And no. I, our transcriber also transcribes the word
2: Peter, not beater. Ooh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot that part. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I mean, it in <laughs> the transcript and I it went Peter and I'm like, "Why would I say Peter?" Yeah.
0: So transcribe me uh the the transcriber that we used transcribe me that company. They they wrote down Peter because it it sounded
2: just like Yeah. It sounded
1: like Peter. Uh, uh, yeah, I think
2: it, it yeah. Well, it reminded me when we did Rocky. Yeah. And what was the Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, only
1: a pig would say that.
2: Only a pig oh, would say pig that. Only a pig would say that. Only a pig would say that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Here's
0: uh,
2: my next. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go
0: ahead. No, go you ahead. go ahead. No I, mean? no, 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 I insist. No, no, no. No, no, no. really. I no, just, Bonnie, no, let, we really. want to hear your next vindication. And, and, and Bonnie, you know what I want to say to you about this? Congratulations. You really were right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that, too. Congratulations, yeah. Bonnie. You, uh... Yeah we're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boy, I got to I have to tell you one thing. Art was wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel any better. That's not making
1: at all. me feel any better.
0: No. Yeah, no. <laughs> all, all right. right. Let's see. Okay. Let's see if we can be
1: be happy for Bonnie on this next one. What you got, Bonnie?
2: Okay. So, um for the last couple of shows, Paula has been making this joke about me that I think good writing is a description like, a guy with a cane and a spotted hat. Where did I get that idea? I don't know. So I'm going to uh, play back the little conversation we had. Mm-hmm. And then, and we've argued about it on these last couple of episodes many times. Yeah. We even
0: wrestled over it once. She came here at like 2 in the morning and knocked on the door. I opened the door. The next thing I know, she's on top of me just punching the shit out of me, saying, yeah. like, I didn't say polka dot hat and cane. I didn't. I didn't. Well, the next day, she didn't remember having done that.
2: <laughs> we were fighting about it then, and it got a little contentious, and now we just fought about it. Maybe it wasn't a fight. Well, let's. Can we roll that clip? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll okay. roll the clip. <laughs> All
0: right, go ahead. Captain Crinkle's Revenge. Replay. You. you know what? Don't say bad. This book, we're reading it because it was on Stephen King's favorite book list. Yeah. And we're trying to get him to join us for a book club one time. So what if he's listening to this episode and the first thing he hears is that Bonnie Burns did <laughs> thought that the writing was the old kind when someone walks down the street with a cane <laughs> and a spotted hat. <laughs>
2: There's so much stuff. These are the descriptions. She was a fat woman. She was a large woman. She was, you know, a short woman. I find that not so interesting for me.
0: No, because you want someone to have a cane and a polka dot hat. No, that said... to you.
2: That's you. So she's saying she
1: doesn't want, I think, Paula.
0: No, right. I think, no, I'm telling you, I listened to the episode again. You and were vacuuming. Said, no, I wasn't. Oh, I, you were I listened rocking. to the episode again. Uh, 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 And you said there's no good descriptions like a man with a cane and a polka dot hat. Uh,
2: I think you misheard me. Maybe I I didn't said it.
0: I Uh, I I I didn't. I'm
1: going to call for order here. (laughs)
6: This has been a
2: Captain
1: Crinkle's
6: Revenge replay.
0: (laughs) Adam didn't sound strong there.
1: No, I, I, I agree with you. I, felt little, I sounded a little weak. However, yeah. is, is that the instance in which you and Paula made a bet,
2: Bonnie? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So we, things got so contentious about what I said or really? what you thought I said that we made a bet. Yeah. And the bet was yeah. that uh, if I won, you had to give me a pound of your worm poop fertilizer, whatever yeah. you call that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Worm castings. I believe I said that at the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Adam said it at the time, but whatever. And if you No, I didn't.
0: Want to
1: (laughs) bet? I would
2: bet you a pound of worm castings.
0: No, no. I remember what you said. (laughs) What? You said that if if you were right, I had to give you, Peter, I remember.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I do remember that bet. Bonnie, and I do think that we didn't even decide what you
2: would give Paula if Paula won the bet. Because she was so cocky. She didn't think that that would ever come up. I did listen to this again, and if she won, I had to buy her more worms.
1: Oh, yes, we did say that eventually, like the pound of worms that I sent Paula very recently.
2: Th- uh, that you oh. welched on? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> pound of worms. So, Tony's going to play what really got said on this show when I talked about the guy with the cane and the spotted hat. I am
1: okay. anxious to hear this. Story. Me too. Here
2: we go. Captain
1: Crinkle's Revenge. Replay
2: Okay, so I like to read things that the I think the writing is beautiful. And oh. I do not find that with this book. <laughs> Apparently, she's a good mystery writer. But it just reminds me of that kind of old kind of writing. Like, And she saw the man walking down the street, and he had a cane and a spotted hat. And, like, there goes <laughs> that.
6: This
1: has been a Captain Krinkle's Revenge replay. <laughs> Wow. Um, Uh. Yeah. That's uh, Paula, I got to say, on this one, this is not like a a Peter (laughs) situation. No. This is her. This is Bonnie being, being, I would, I hate to say it, but like 100% right.
0: No, but I think you're missing the symbolism. In this case, it was a spotted Peter. All right. Yes, I stand corrected. What Bonnie had said was that this is the old kind of writing where someone writes uh, a man was walking down the street with a cane (laughs) and a spotted hat. That's the old kind of writing. And Bonnie doesn't like the old kind of writing.
1: That's exactly true. That is that is I think that's exactly what what happened here. Paula,
2: I think you owe Bonnie a pound of worm shit. (laughs) I think you do, too. And I'm excited about putting it in my garden. Yep. Yeah, that's
1: going to yeah. really perk up those dead lemon trees you and your daughter planted. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. You know,
0: as a child, Bonnie would sit in the pews at the temple and they would read from the Torah. And she would say to the rabbi, I don't like the old kind of writing. Uh, <laughs> and he what, do you mean Hebrew? Uh, that's the kind I don't like. Oh, well, then you're never going to like this Bible. It's the old kind of writing. It's the old kind all right, Bonnie. Okay, I will honor my bet, and uh, congratulations! You were
2: right. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, uh, Bonnie. Yeah. No, I, and one thing I thought was interesting was you were so vehement that you had heard it twice, and yeah. you knew what I said.
0: You know, I would still say that the that the the criticism itself, with the man with the cane <laughs> and the spotted hat, was fairly lame. I would stand behind that still. But, the example um,
1: was lame.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: it was.
1: Okay, uh,
2: but that doesn't mean what you said I said. No, not. I would. You right. know what? I was no. wrong. Okay. Yeah. I was. <laughs> Guess what? You know that art guy? Yeah. He's so right. It doesn't feel good that you're wrong. It doesn't feel good right now. No, you wouldn't. know. you're not
0: in that position. It's not feeling good that I'm wrong. The part that makes you feel good is when you congratulate the other person.
1: How are you feeling congratulating Bonnie right now, Paula? Share your feelings.
0: I feel really good, Bonnie. (laughs) 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 That's clear. Congratulations, Bonnie. So she doesn't like the kind of writing that says there was a man and he had a a cane and a spotted hat. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, no, I get that. I get
1: that. that. And I kind of agree with both of you. Like, Bonnie definitely you know, said what she said she said and not what you said she said. However, yeah. I do agree with you that what she said was in retrospect, I think Bonnie might even admit this, not the greatest example of that dry kind of writing that she does not like. Okay. No, no
0: she's not admitting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm
1: just trying to build a bridge here. Bonnie, what else do you have here for Captain Crinkle's Revenge? As far as I'm concerned, you're kind of like one for two or one and a half for two. So you're doing great.
2: I think I'm two for two, but like I just said, <laughs> oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake. be congratulated because it feels like I'm saying somebody else is wrong. Especially
0: like you. You should have thought of that ahead of time.
1: (laughs) Bonnie, you should have found stuff that I said that was wrong, because that would have made you feel so much better than Carpenter. Oh, gosh. All right, I
2: hate to say this. That might be true. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I know that's true. (laughs) You don't have to hate to say it. What do you have that I said that's wrong, though? What do you have for Captain Crinkle's revenge? Let's keep it
0: going. This is all I have. That was it. Oh. So Captain Crinkle was right twice. And both times got steamrolled over. That's terrible. I'm so sorry.
2: I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it that you were wrong twice, and I'm correcting you.
0: I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want
1: more of this. So, uh, listeners out there, if you're... (laughs) If you can find any other instance in our 194 episodes where Bonnie Burns was right, please um, write in to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com and give us more reasons
0: to have Captain Crinkle's revenge. It's not really 194 episodes. This would be 193. And that means that there's 192 in front of it. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not
2: important. (laughs) (laughs) Like, again, I don't feel well. This doesn't feel good.
3: (laughs)
1: Victory turning to ashes and Bonnie burns his mouth. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many Perry Masons that did the defendant sit at the defense table? And after Perry got them off and proved that somebody else did it, uh, the camera cuts away just before the defendant goes, "Perry, I feel like shit." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'd feel so empty. Yeah, I hate to see Hamilton Berger flail like that. Um, no, Bonnie, you take these two wins, you take them, and you. You, oh. you you hold them to your heart because yeah. I don't think you're going to have a lot more. <laughs> Bonnie, I,
1: I I hate to punch up a segment that's already gone so well, but yeah. at the moment where <laughs> Paula said that you were right and that she was wrong, the fact that you didn't yell, beat her, is really upsetting <laughs> yeah.
3: You know what? Oh, that's I slick. think...
0: This should be a regular segment of the show where we play something from another show and Adam punches it up. I think... <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I like
1: it. Oh, my God. Where do
0: I begin? Uh. Uh, yeah, if we could ever find anything that could be punched up. Yeah, that's an Easter egg hunt that's not easy, I'll tell you. But I I, I
1: seriously think you'd feel better, Bonnie, if you just exclaimed that now.
2: No. I don't. I don't want to ever do this segment again. Totally On Captain oh. Crinkle's Revenge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, yeah.
1: I take back what I said. Everybody, um, do not submit anymore because that was the um, one and only edition of Captain <laughs> Crinkle's Revenge. Oh, isn't this?
0: Isn't this something we've seen before? Remember when the Rams won the Super Bowl and they went, "Oh, we feel terrible." You know what? Let's just, let's do that last half again and give them a turn. Give them a chance. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Oh, and they hated the parade. The Rams hated the parade. Oh, They, my were, God, all- they were so miserable. Yeah. The whole team was crying the whole time. A lot of people thought it was horns honking. It wasn't. It was the Rams blowing their nose.
1: <laughs> Aww. Oh. Honk. Well- Honk. Here's a suggestion. Why don't you um, scrape yourself off the pavement that you've been dunked on on and tell us what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week. Ow. This should raise
0: some spirits, Adam. As you know, Poundstone Industries, Peter also known as Lipstick (laughs) Nancy Incorporated, has been in the middle of a publicity palooza for weeks now. I had to hire a high-powered publicity company to schedule and prioritize it all because it just got too much for me. Um, I went with Cynthia Cryer Public Relations. I'm sure you've heard of them. They're the ones with that slogan, you'll get higher with Cynthia Cryer. Um, If they can publicize themselves like that, there is no telling what they'll bring to Poundstone Industries. This week, they got me an interview with Vacuum Repair Magazine. In their annual What's Stuck in Your Hose edition, uh, Poundstone Industries (laughs) will be featured in their popular What Sucks column. Uh, Cynthia says it's prestigious, so look for that. Listeners might want to... Get to the shop at paulapoundstone.com as soon as possible because there's sure to be a run on Poundstone Pussy Pillows. The four inch by five and a half inch handmade catnip stuffed pillows with the catch oak on one side and autographed to your king of the jungle, well, the living room anyway, on the other side, plus a grommet for tying a string and dragging it to make it just that much more intriguing to Fluffy. And of course, we have the brand new Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirts at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. They have a double needle hem on the hood and pouch pocket. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone logo on the front and a memorable quote on the back. It comes with a simple sample dialogue to help the listener who feels awkward telling people that they listen. See Adam? They're available now, Peter. In Peter, they're available. They're <laughs> available now in small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large, and Peter, so that everyone can see that their fashion needs are met. Also, you can email me at, Paula at paulapoundstone dot and let me and Wendell know you want to buy a big bag of worm castings from the funniest farm in the world. I'll bet Barbara Streisand doesn't sell worm waste, and if she did. She wouldn't personally chop the fruit and vegetable waste to feed them and spend hours sifting through the waste to provide a bag of high-quality nutrients for her listeners' plants, would she? Sorry, Art, I slipped. Anyway, email me at at paulapoundstone.com. There's more, of course, but Heidi. And let me just
1: append to that. If you want to see what all the fuss from last week is about on my other podcast, Dad Bandland, Please tune in and listen to the episode with Lisa Loeb where she comes on and kind of Bonnie Burns-like sets us straight about some of the stuff that we've been doing and saying. That's Dad Bandland, available wherever you get your podcasts. i tell you more,
0: but Peter! <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Adam. So you have another podcast? Oh, I do, Paula. I haven't mentioned that. I, th- I haven't heard of it.
1: No, no it's called Dad Band Land. It's an exploration of all the music you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. You should check it out. Peter! (laughs) Yeah, I should. (laughs) All right, I will. All right, remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's free. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to know more about, once again, that address is Poundstone at gmail.com or hit us up on our socials. We have a very active Facebook group that is our show nobody listens to paula poundstone is hosted by paula poundstone and yours truly adam Le felber special thanks to our guest dr art markman yeah, Austin. It was great.
2: Woo!
1: and thanks to house band raymond horton
2: Yeah, Woo!
1: our show be produced by paula poundstone adam felber bonnie burns ken lezebnik tony nita and julie berkobian star burns Yay! production by land romo
3: Yay! Poundstone
1: Industries production by Vic Lowry. Yay! Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service unless you're hoping that they will
0: correctly transcribe Beater. Peter. Peter!
3: <laughs>
0: That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Wow.
1: Paula, I think you're handling this beautifully
0: Yeah, yeah You know, it's tough learning that you're wrong
1: uh,
0: It doesn't happen
1: a lot for you, Paula So I think that, that's why it's tough to adjust to
0: No, it happens multiple times a day
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it doesn't happen a lot when you're dealing with Bonnie
0: I just should have a t-shirt that says, oh, I didn't realize. Um, (laughs) I should have a t-shirt that says, I'm sorry, congratulations. I'm sorry, congratulations. I'm sorry, congratulations.
1: Still doesn't feel like you're enjoying that.
0: I really got to practice my congratulations. I know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got it. Bonnie was right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Yeah, that's more the spirit.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations on on learning and growing with that, Paula.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sharayla, wait a minute. Here, Bonnie was right.
6: <laughs>
0: I heard that Bonnie was right. Yeah, I th- there's got to be a Bonnie was right theme song. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, she never wants to do that again. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You want to the, uh, the rare spotted Peter
4: A podcast network.